Welcome to the Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McNew. I love cocktails and I love the macabre. So every week I'm bringing you a cocktail recipe in history and some ghost stories. So let's get ready to get lit and get scared. Welcome back. It's Friday the 13th. I hope you've all had an okay day so far and that bad luck hasn't found you. I'm not doing a special episode on Friday the 13th superstitions today because I did one last year and I reposted the link to it on our socials if you want to check it out. It was a good one. You really should go check it out if you didn't like last May or March whenever the last Friday the 13th was. I think it was May. So I posted the link. You can easily find it if you check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Today we are keeping up with the warm weather thoughts and fun tropical cocktails. Although I don't think today's quite falls into the tiki category, it definitely has tropical vibes. It's the Sex on the Beach cocktail. It's the Sex on the Beach, which took clubs by storm in the 1980s, but the name kind of has a kitschy, almost cringy vibe to it today. We'll get more into its history in just a minute though, and then we'll get into sirens and their lore because what pairs better with a Sex on the Beach than a man-luring, man-killing, sexy mermaid? Let's go. The Sex on the Beach made its debut in 1987, and it's a whole year older than me. As with many cocktails, its history is blurred, but from what I've found, this one may only have two origin stories. One is that it may have made its way into the world in 1982 and was derived from combining the Fuzzy Navel and the Cape Cotter cocktails together. That theory, it's simple. It doesn't carry much weight, though. The most believed origin story of the Sex on the Beach is that it was created by bartender Ted Pizzio, who worked at Confetti's Bar in Florida. Apparently, there was a contest to see who could sell the most peach schnapps, and Pizio did it with his cocktail recipe. He was rather cheeky and clever, and believed the attraction to Tampa for spring breakers was sex and the beach. So that's why he named the cocktail after. You know, and he was right. People showed up for a sex on the beach. It's not a sophisticated cocktail by any means. Anyone can throw one of these together fairly quickly. It consists of two ounces of vodka, one ounce peach schnapps, two ounces of orange juice, and one and a half ounces of cranberry juice. Fill an ice-filled highball or hurricane glass with the vodka, peach schnapps, and orange juice, and then pour the cranberry juice over the top. Garnish with an orange wedge or add a paper umbrella for a little more razzle-dazzle. And I will note that the original recipe called for grenadine instead of cranberry juice, but grenadine's inherent sweetness led to a fairly unbalanced cocktail. It was kind of icky sweet. Use it if you want though, but the modern cranberry juice replacement does make it a lot more enjoyable. So make yourself one, super easy, enjoy, and I will be right back after this quick break. And I'm back. Let's get into some mermaids. What little girl did not want to grow up to be a mermaid? I certainly did at some point in my life. And I remember when we had a pool as a kid and just deep diving and pretending I was a mermaid. (laughs) I feel like that's just a collective childhood memory for lots of 90s girls and probably even for generations before and after us too. Little girls have a fascination with wanting to be beautiful, magical mermaids. But the mermaids I'm going to talk about today aren't the red-haired singing in love with the human prince kind. I mean, they still sing, but they're more like songs designed to confuse and lure sailors to them so they can drown them. And they still have a human lady upper body with a fish tail. Today is all about sirens, the more sinister original mermaids, if you will. 
The sirens we recognize today are mermaid-like in appearance, typically have the head and upper body of a human woman and the lower body of a fish, appearing with a scaly, sometimes shiny tail. But in some archaic Greek art, they were depicted as more bird-like, still having a woman's head, but a bird's body, complete with feathers, and their long talons being rather fearsome. Like the waters they live in, their origin story is pretty murky, but it's widely believed that they were friends with the goddess of Persephone at one time, but were turned into sirens as punishment when they failed to prevent her disappearance or rather abduction by Hades. Although they were punished by being turned into mermaids and banished to lonely waters, they were still gifted with beautiful singing voices and lyres to make beautiful music. And if you're like me and didn't know what a lyre was, it's a string instrument that looks like a tiny harp. And I hope I saved you a Google search with that little fact. <laughs> Even being that they're under punishment, the sirens are still narcissistic little things and know of their musical talents. So much so, they even challenge the muses, the great Greek muses, to a singing competition and respectfully got their asses handed to them. Don't mess with the muses. No, everybody knows, like the muses freaking stars. Don't mess with them, okay? If you paid even a smidgen of attention in high school English, you will know that sirens were also mentioned in Homer's The Odyssey. The sirens' home was an island somewhere in the Strait of Messina, littered with the bones and corpses of the past sailors who fell victim to their lures. Per the Odyssey, Odysseus was warned by Circe of the sirens' presence, and he and his men survived them by tying himself to the mast of his ship so he could still hear them but not be tempted to steer his ship in their direction. He and he plugged his crew's ears with wax so they could not hear the siren's songs. So they survived. They sailed right on by. If you're not familiar with the Odyssey, I hope you've at least seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is sort of like a parody of it. The sirens make an appearance in that movie as well, and it's definitely fun to see that part. The sirens also appear in the story of Jason and the Argonauts. Jason knew of the sirens' songs, and while his ship, the Argo, passed by them, he had the very talented Orpheus play for them so that the siren song would, would be drowned out. This was highly effective for most of the crew, except for a man named Butes. Butes heard the sirens and jumped over the edge of the Argo's deck, sure to meet his doom. The sirens should have just drowned that man very quickly. But he was rescued by the goddess Aphrodite and taken back to, with her to Sicily, where he became her lover and fathered her son, Eryx. So, that man lucked out okay sirens might have done him a favor he got aphrodite please note that they're always referred to as the plural sirens as in there were more than one of them depending on the myth or story there were always two to five of them but there really could have been up to 10 depending on which myth or story you follow and they all had names which are as follows eris philziope philanoe philexipe meaning respectively charming voice charming the mind and charming since the prefix is so similar and is the word fell, and the meanings all contain charming, I am inclined to believe that these three are all one and the same. The name could just vary throughout history and pronunciation and story, but I personally think this is just one siren. Then there's Mulpi, whose name means song, Pasanoe meaning mind, Aglophonos meaning splendid sounding, Legia meaning clear toned, Leucosia meaning white stuff, and maybe her name refers to like white noise or like the white sea foam of the waves hitting the rocks, not sure. And then there's Agla Opi, meaning splendid voice, which could also be a translation thing and she could be the same siren as Aglophonus, given the similarities in their name and meaning. And finally, Parthenope, meaning maiden voice. 
And naming those off really just kind of gives me flashbacks of the Disney's Little Mermaid cartoon when all of her sisters like have their song number and they're listing off their names. <laughs> it's kind of the vibes it gave me. So those were our Greek sirens. And outside of the sirens of Greek folklore, there there is lore of sirens or mermaids from all across the globe. So let's talk about a few of them too. First, I have Ayara from Brazilian folklore. And please know if I continue to or pronounce any of these names incorrectly, truly not my intention. I listen to them on Google pronunciation, so like, I'm really doing my best, okay? <laughs> According to the folklore I read, Ayara was the daughter of a chief of an indig indigenous tribe. She was beautiful and had an innate talent for warfare and was well-respected by tribe members and her father. Her brothers were envious of her skills and admiration and planned to kill her in the middle of the night. She learned of their plans and killed them instead. Her father was irate when he found the news his sons were killed. Ayara ran off into the woods to hide, but was captured, then drowned in the river as punishment. Some legends have it that the local fish saved her on a full moon, and others have it that the night goddess Jacy saved her, but in either version, she turns into a mermaid that lures men into the river with her beauty and drowns them as revenge for what happened to her. Those who survive her are said to go crazy afterwards and or have to live the rest of their lives with bite marks scarred into their necks. In Germanic folklore, they had Nyx, or Nixies, also known as water sprites, who were known to lure men to rivers with song to meet their demise. Most famous was Lorelei, who sat on a rock on the Rhine where she would lure fishermen and boaters to crash into the reefs with the sound of her voice. Germanic and Nordic folklore also have Nokin. Nokin are a type of Nyx that are shapeshifters and play a violin to enchant women and children to the river to drown them. They differ in that they are male and they're not luring men to their deaths. And they also have horse-like features. So they have like a man head, horse body, and they're sometimes called the river horse. These creatures are said to be beautiful and elegant and they're most active on Midsummer Night Christmas Eve and Thursdays. So I guess if you're a lady or kid, maybe avoid the rivers um, on those days. <laughs> in Australia, their sirens are referred to as she marwita. They just don't kill men for the sake of killing them or for revenge. They are technically described as shapeshifters and they send sickness to anyone who harms the coast. So litterers or anyone who dumps harmful things into the waters here, think twice or face the wrath of she marwita. Abir is a very beautiful siren from Melanesian folklore, and she is often described as a demoness though. Her thing is luring men into the water with her beauty, then entrapping them in reeds like a makeshift prison. She keeps them there until she eventually devours them. And honestly, she's terrifying. She might be like the most terrifying one on this list. It just sounds like she plays the long game, while others kill men immediately without taking time. She imprisons them in the reeds, probably like fucks around with them and teases them. And I kind of love her for it. She's terrifying playing the long game with these guys. <laughs> the Philippines also have their own version of sirens or sirenas, also known as Majandara. The, these sirens do the same thing as the Greek ones. They sing their alluring songs and lure fishermen and sailors alike to their deaths. But sometimes instead of singing, they play the damsel in distress game, luring men to rescue them from the rocks. Then when they get close, they pull them in with their tails and squeeze them to death. They're a little scary too. Like they're, they're playing some mind games too. <laughs> 
And so no one thinks I purposely left them out. I'm going to mention the Selkies of Scottish folklore. I'm sorry if you hear a dog. That is Oakley Jake just being a turd back there. I need to like soundproof this whole house. Anyways, <laughs> Selkies of Scottish folklore. Although I don't personally think they fall into the siren or mermaid category, they often get lumped in here. Selkies are not half human, half fish, which is why I don't think they fit the category. Rather, they are seals who when their seal skin is shed, they appear fully human. The seals may come to the beach, shed their skin and appear human. They can only return to the sea once they step back into their seal skin. In some legends, a human man will see the woman sunbathing on the beach and steal her seal skin and hold the woman captive. She will marry him, even have children with him, but still long to go back to her home in the sea. Once she finds out where her skin is hidden, she immediately takes it and returns herself into a seal and goes back to the sea. In some legends, she is never seen by her human family again. In other legends, she appears once a year to greet her human children. There are even male sulkies who, according to their lore, appear very beautiful and charming to human women. Unlike the female sulkies who do not seek out human men, the male sulkies seek out human women, particularly those who are unhappy or longing for their sailor or fisherman lovers to return home from the sea. Some legends say that if a woman were to cry seven tears into the sea, a male sulkie would appear to her. Once he became her husband, he could leave at will once he put his seal skin back on. Then he only returned every seven years. Children produced between the humans and selkies were rumored to have webbed fingers. And that is all I have today, guys. I'm going to wrap it up. I will be back next week with the history of rum runners and a twisted tale about a man named Carl Tanzler and a girl named Elena. Until then, please give us a rating and review and give us a follow on Instagram at Highly Spirited Podcast. Bye.